Welcome to this edition of the Beach Bucket Podcast. Today we are talking with Captain Lou Donovan. Captain Lou Donovan is a highly experienced boater and captain with more than 50 years of experience on the water. He's highly knowledgeable of the ocean and coastal waters from New Jersey to the Chesapeake Bay to the Florida Keys. He has a United States Coast Guard master's captain's license and has taught over 15,000 students, helped them earn their New Jersey boating safety certificates, and that's how I know them. Thank you for being here, Captain Lou Donovan. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. How are you today? I'm pretty good. I'm enjoying this uh, beautiful summer weather. It's a preview of what's to come, I'm sure. So, And it's always exciting when we know we have a, a lot of months ahead of us to enjoy the waterways. Now, Captain Lou, I just got in the mail my boating safety certificate card, which looks really professional. It's issued by the State of New Jersey Division of State Police. It's the Marine Bureau, Marine Services Bureau, and it says that I completed my safety class and took the test. What is that? Yeah. What does that mean? Well, the way it works in New Jersey is uh, a lot of people are, there's some confusion out there. Uh, so there's two programs. One makes sense and one eh, maybe doesn't make that much sense. But the way it works is there's an educational requirement. So you have to take a boating course. It can either be online uh, for six hours and then you have to do a in-person proctored exam. And that's one option. Another option would be to take an actual in-person class. It's either two days or one eight-hour day, or it's two you know, days split up in half. Uh, and that's the other option. Now, that's probably the better way if, in some, you know, uh, you know, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. you get some information, uh, real-life s- scenarios are, are talked about in class. Uh, but either way, it meets the state's minimum requirements. So what you'll end up earning is you'll get a boating safety certificate. It's basically a diploma that says you've taken a course, you've passed the exam, and you have met the state of New Jersey's educational requirement, and you're now permitted to operate a vessel that's propelled by machinery. In other words, it has a motor, which means an electric motor, uh, a gas-powered you know, outboard motor, or even a diesel engine in a big yacht. If it has a motor, that's where the line is drawn. I'm not sure that makes total sense, but they had to come up with something. So motor or not. So if you're rowing it, right, or Mm -hmm. sailing it, you do not have to have the boat, uh, boating safety certificate. Now, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, this probably, you're probably about to answer my next question. This is not a, a boating license, correct? Right. There's no such thing as a real boating license. Again, it's an education requirement. That's what that certificate means. You've met that requirement. Now, you can also, you may also be required to get a boat endorsement on your driver's license. You know, a lot of people think that's a boating license. The only time that's ever been required, and it still is required, is if you're going to operate a boat on a non-tidal waterway. In other words, it doesn't have tide chains. And a great example of that would be a lake. So a lake doesn't go up and down with the tide, or it could be a river that flows one direction. There's none around here in southern Jersey, but there might be one in north Jersey. So anyway, if it doesn't have tide change, non-tidal waterway, New Jersey has an additional requirement. Not instead of, additionally, you have to go to DMV, pay a fee uh, over and over again, 18 bucks currently for four years. And they're going to show give you something that shows you paid that fee. And that's the words, the word B-O-A-T on your driver's license. So that's a boat endorsement. 
And again, the only time you'll ever need to present that is if you're on a, that's called a lake in New Jersey, and your boat has a motor. Now, there's a couple exemptions to that. And it's very confusing. I'm not sure I'll even go over that. But, okay. it, yeah, but you know, depending on how, how many batteries you have and how big long the mm-hmm. boat is and all that, you may be exempt. But I would say if you're going to be on a lake in Jersey, I would get it. Uh, this way you have that. And then you, you have, you'll get a white card, the, the certificate that you mentioned you got already. And the third thing you always have to carry is a registration. So to simplify it, you need always need two documents driving a boat that has a motor, the boating certificate uh, and the registration. Now, the third document that may be required is the boat endorsement on your driver's license. And that is only required if you're on a lake. And that's how it works. Got it. Good to know. As summer's approaching and we're getting close to me taking my new wave runner out, what do I need to know to know that it's ready for the summer and that I have everything I need to be safe? Okay. Well, that's, you know, I could talk about four hours on that on that question. Well, uh, I'm but... talking about just basics before <laughs> yeah, I even I am putting it on the water. I understand. Yeah. But naturally, you want to make sure it's mechanically sound and, you know, you could always do proper maintenance on any boat. Remember, a personal watercraft is a boat. A lot of people think a personal watercraft is, uh, is you know, just some little toy. It's not. It's an actual boat. It's just, you know, it's its own classification of power vessel, you know. Uh, but once you know the, the vessel is in good operating order, then there's it's really important to understand where you're going. A lot of people think when they're out on the water, you know, the water, it's easier than driving a car. There's nothing to worry about that's, you know, those uh, roads to follow. We can just go flying around. In New Jersey, we have a lot of issues with shallow water, a lot of spot sandbars, right? And the other issue is we don't have the, the benefit of water color to maybe show those as you approach, you know, th- those spots. Like in Florida, for example, the saying is if 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 it's brown, you'll run aground. Mm-hmm. If it's blue, if it's blue, sail on through, right? So in Jersey, the water and the mud is the exact same color. And I've seen, you know, when it's dead calm, when the water's like glass and mud, you can't even see the difference. It looks like water still and it's the mud and then the water's right there. So it's really uh, you know, the colors really don't have make the you know bottom stand out. So you have to know before you go what you're getting yourself into. So you have to get somewhat familiar with looking at a nautical chart. So that's the official map uh, terminology mm-hmm. uh, for use on the water. So you really before you go and you get uh, free charts online at noaa.gov, n-o-a-a.gov, or you can go on your phone. There's a couple of navigation apps you can get. And I'll go over all my apps at some point, maybe, uh, that will help a lot of people with different things. But you need to see that, hey, if I put my boat in at this ramp, if you're going to be boating an area, you need to know that, hey, this I can go this way and I'm not going to run aground because you have, we have a tide swing here too, right? Mm-hmm. So people, a lot of people think if you go at a high tide, it's, it's safer. Well, uh, in some ways, yes, but I think it's actually safer to do a reconnaissance mission at dead low tide. So if you're going to be boating, say, in Ocean City, like we're going to be, you want to go out at dead low, um, maybe full moon or new moon, which is every 14-day difference there. And that's where the tide is more extreme. And then you can see all the trouble. It's amazing when they drain the bathtub, all the toys that show up. You know, you're out there, you know, riding around and say, oh, my God, look at all that mud. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. It's unbelievable. So that's 
really uh, good advice, I would say. That makes a lot of sense. Go out at dead low tide. And I always say it's better to do it in someone else's boat the first time. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you want to go out and look around and just see where everything is. And, And local knowledge is better than any chart. If you know that you shouldn't go there or you've seen it before at low tide, that's where uh, it really sinks in. To have to, you know, interpret a chart and then apply that when you're out there running around is sometimes more difficult, you know. Mm-hmm. So, again, what do you say, what do you do to get ready to, before you go? Make sure the, the vessel is in good shape. That in your case, a personal watercraft. And that's the official name, by the way. People say weight runner, jet ski. It's really a P- PWC is what it's really called. And you need to know wh- where you're headed. You know, what are you doing? You know, and uh, there's some that more navigable waterways uh, around Ocean City, like the Egg Harbor River is one of the nicest rivers to run up. And that's nice. But getting there, you might have some trouble, uh, depending on where you're coming, you know, going to the the channel system, the markers, uh, the system we have along the coast is sometimes confusing, but there's a way. And and if you want, I can get into that now or later, how the markers are set up. So you need to know whether the red's on the one side or the other side or the green, you need to do all that kind of stuff. And just because there's a marker there, it doesn't mean you have to follow them to be safe because there could be plenty of water on both sides. Mm-hmm. That's where it, that's where a chart would come into play. Just, just see, hey, where you're headed and see what you got going on before you get there. So I say they're the probably two most important things. Uh, and, you know, safety equipment, there's naturally you have to hold a list of stuff like, you know, things you should have, like a way to communicate in case there is an issue. Mm-hmm. And the, prop, the proper way to do that is a, a VHF radio. I'd have a cell phone as a backup. Uh, you should have a tow rope in case you're a jet ski. I'm with you jet skiing, right, Gretchen? And your jet ski dies or mine dies. Mm-hmm. We're together. Oh, I'm glad you're here. That's wonderful. Now what? Right? We have no rope. So we should have a little piece of rope, a line, so I can tell you back, right? So sure. that kind of little things can make a difference. What are the common mistakes people are making when they first start boating well with boating is they they think they know how to do it you know so that's the you know it's like if this if you're going to take up skydiving right or you're going to you're going to fly a helicopter you pretty much know you got to have somebody go over all the buttons with you you know what i mean sure but with with a boat or personal watercraft people think "Ah, that's not that big of a deal right Mm -hmm. but you need to know a lot of things and the most important thing is you don't have any breaks right and it's very important not to put yourself in a bad position in, in life, right? For sure. But out on the water, that really, really is true. You should never put like you, you should never put yourself in a position where if something goes wrong, you have some sort of accident, right? And one example of that is riding too close to someone. And, and I got and in my class, I cover I go over a lot of you know stories and tell a lot of stories about things that went wrong for people. Uh, for a positive reason so that you can understand that, hey, this person was killed or there was a horrible accident. And this is why it happened. So never put yourself in that position. And one position that you definitely should never put yourself in is riding right behind somebody. And I know why people do that, because they're on the highway. They drove to the shore and they're on you know, Route 55 or the expressway mm-hmm. or, the turn, or, and, or the parkway. And they're riding right behind the car in front of them going 70 miles an hour. Right. So now they get on the water. They get in their boat or jet ski and they're, they're, they're going out with a friend and they're riding right behind the friend. Right. And I understand why they do that. That's wrong. You should never do that, because if that person stops your instinctive move is you're going to let go of that throttle. 
And not only do you not have brakes, you give up your ability to steer. You mm-hmm. cannot turn, right? So that's something you have to know forever that this this vessel and what you should tell yourself is this thing has no brakes and I can't steer it. And I could tell you 10 stories where people have had horrible accidents because they were riding too close to someone. So if you, so, so if you just stay away, give yourself a lot of room, you know, in case something, somebody stops because jet skis will slide before they stop uh, about 300 feet, wow. 300 feet. That's a long way. And while you're sliding to a stop, you can't steer it, right? So think about that. So again, a great example of a bad position is riding too close, too fast with with someone. And you got to just stay away and have a big margin of safety. So I think that's probably the one of the best pieces of advice I give anybody in boating is don't follow right behind the guy in front of you going at a high rate of speed. It just doesn't make any sense. Are new boaters good at following like port and starboard and knowing which way to veer? Well, there's three meeting situations you can have between two boats, right? And remember now, personal watercraft is a boat. People mm-hmm. think it's a, it's it's classified as a power boat. It's a, it has the same, uh, you know, uh, ranking, I guess if you want to call it that, on, on the rules of the road as, as any power boat, right? A, a jet ski is the same as a 20-footer. So when you're meeting another boat, it's either a crossing situation, head-on situation, or overtaking situation. Mm-hmm. So that's something to know. And uh, so if a boat is you're crossing paths with another boat, and if there if there's a risk of collision, there's a standard in place where one boat is supposed to make a move and the other boat's supposed to not move. One one, one vessel is called the stand-on vessel, and the other one's the give-way vessel. So if you have the right of way, you're called the stand-on vessel. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the right of way, you give it away. You're the give-way vessel. You give it to somebody else. So if I'm meeting you in a crossing situation, right, right crossing paths, uh, like a 90-degree angle, for example, the boat on the right has a right-of-way. So the way you can remember that, I think, is to, to just think, hey, if you're right, you're right. Mm-hmm. Whoever's right, whoever's right is right, right? So the boat up on the right has the right-of-way. He's supposed to continue on his course and, and pace, and the other boat, right, would turn behind him. The best way to avoid a collision is to cut behind somebody. Mm-hmm. Just like if you're crossing the street and there's a truck coming and you think I'm, I can make it. Well, well maybe you're going to trip and fall and it may not be good, right? Mm-hmm. But if you cut behind that truck, there's no way he's going to hit you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if everybody cuts behind the other. If you cut behind that person, that's just a wise move. So that's a crossing situation. That's assuming you're both in power boats, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you're head, if you're head on, I'm coming. You're on a jet ski, and I'm coming right at you, right? Now, what's the procedure here? Well, you're supposed to turn to the right, just like you would a car. You pass port to port. Now, port is L E F T, port P O R T. That's the left side of a boat, right? Mm-hmm. Star starboard is the right side of a boat. That's the bigger word. Mm-hmm. So left is port. So if I'm coming at you, I would turn like I would a car, turn to starboard or pass port to port or turn to the right, if, and it's easier way to remember. So that's how that would work. So neither boat is privileged there. Now, if you're now, this is important. If you're overtaking somebody, the guy in front of you has no clue you're there, right? So if you're going to pass somebody, he might make a move, and you don't. He doesn't know you're there, right? So he has no rearview mirrors. So anybody that's being overtaken always has the right of way. So if you're passing another boat, you got to stay clear of them because they don't know you're coming, and that's where mistakes are made too a lot. 
uh, you know, out and about where people just turn real fast and the mm-hmm. other person coming up behind them and they didn't know that. Now, there's a whole I mean, there's a whole list of things, you know, with sound signals you're supposed to use. And and there's actually a ranking system, depending on what kind of boat you're in or situation you're in, that uh, gives you privilege over somebody else. And one example of that would be a sailboat under sail has more issues with maneuverability. So therefore, that has the right away for a powerboat. That makes sense. That's in every situation except for overtaking. You know, if it's overtaking it, the guy up front always has the right away. Do you have the answer to this? I'm not sure. But how many accidents that over the course of the summer are people not following basic rules? Well, I I didn't last I looked and I don't have it, the statistics at hand here. I wish I uh, I should have done that more prepared for you. Uh, but I remember the you know the last few times I did check that and the re. In New Jersey and every state compile statistics, and the benefit of that is so you can so you can see a trend, right? So if all the accidents are because people are drinking or drunk, well then how do you minimize the chance the number of accidents? Well, mm-hmm. just stop drinking, right? Simple as that. But believe it or not, alcohol is not the number one cause of accidents. It's inattention, right? Not paying attention or just not um, or operating too close to another vessel. That's where accidents happen. Interesting. Right. So if you know that statistic, so therefore you got to really pay attention. And this is, you know, boating is, you know, again, jet skiing, maybe more so than boating. You know, a lot of people believe it's just a toy and you just go out there and fly around. Well, these things have 300 horsepower, some of them. Some mm-hmm. are super, some have superchargers. <laughs> and boy, they have to be respected forever. You know, you have to understand this thing has a lot of power, right? And that's something for sure to know about. I think it's deceiving because you can come down to Ocean City with your family and not um, necessarily haven't taken a safety class. And can't you rent one right right on the bay and go out? Well, the way it works there is that's a good, that's a very good question. Uh, so those businesses have special dispensation to stay in business. So New Jersey granted them, uh, you know, a business license and said, all right, well, here's how it works. You have to give everybody that's going to ride a personal watercraft, um, you have to give them a little mini course. And they mm-hmm. did an undercover sting operation a couple of years ago when they shut down a couple of operations where they felt it was more important to push the people through and make profit rather than, you know, do it the right way. So they do that, which is good. I'm glad they did that. But um, so the way that works is you have to, you know, it's like driving a go-kart. You can't go on the boardwalk and take the go-kart and drive it on the Garden State Parkway because that's not right, right? So with a personal watercraft, they keep you on their go-kart track. So they have a person out there, usually with a big flag up, that's the leader. And he's, and then they give you buoys you have to go around and you have to stay on that track. So you eat, and even though you're not, you don't have the boating certificate, you can still operate a personal watercraft and rent one from a rental company, but you have to go around in circles, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. stay, and, that's, and that's it. You can't go out and do a tour and all that kind of stuff like you can in other states. I see. Okay. Now, do personal watercrafts have to have the same kind of uh, safety devices like sound and um, um, signaling devices? Yeah, it's a boat, right? So you have to have a working sound-producing device. And in Jersey, in, in federally, I guess everywhere in the country, but we're talking about Jersey, uh, you have to have a either a horn or a whistle. Now, typically, a personal watercraft would have a whistle. As a matter of fact, on a personal watercraft, that has to come with you. So it has to be attached to the lanyard cord. Uh, 
or your life vests. So if you fall off the personal watercraft, you can blow the whistle and, you know, signal you're, you know, in need of help. And it's best to get, they make a very high uh, decibel whistle, like the one I use on my boat as a backup horn is 120 decibels. And I'll tell you, boy, it's loud. So that's what you have to have with you. And they have, you have to have a personal flotation device. And what's different about a personal watercraft and a boat a personal flotation device has to be worn by everyone. Mm-hmm. On a boat, on a boat, it's anybody twelve and under has to wear it anytime the boat is underway. So, personal aircraft, regardless of age, you have to you have to uh, wear it at all times. That's pretty smart. Well, it's smart to wear at all times anyway, because you don't know when you're going to have when when you're going to have the accident. I'm just going to wear my light or my excuse me my seatbelt the day of the accident. I'm not going to wear it. You know, to be more yeah, agreed. It doesn't make sense. So once I'll tell you, once you start wearing it, it feels like you can't go out without wearing it, you know. And it's the same thing with that lanyard cord. You know, that's a federal law now. As of April of last year, uh, you have to wear that lanyard cord. And that's the thing that. Explain that. You're right. That's the cord that connects you to the ignition safety switch. So when you fall off of the personal watercraft, it shuts it down. Now. Everybody wears it on a jet ski, I would say. And, you know, I'm going to say the word every, I'm going to say everybody. It's almost 100%. On a boat, I would say nobody wears it. And it's more important to wear it on a boat than it is a personal watercraft because a personal watercraft has a spring loaded throttle. A boat has a throttle you set at 20, 30, 40 miles an hour. And if something were to happen to you, say you had a kidney stone attack or you uh, lost balance and slipped and fell on some suntan lotion when you went over a wake and the boat's going or you had a heart attack. I don't know. Weird things happen or, mm-hmm. or, or had a mechanical issue where the steering cable broke off the outboard and the boat just makes a hard turn. You want that boat to shut off. If you go on YouTube, you can see you just uh, you know put in there a search uh, boat out of control and you got to go through it. You know, there's hundreds of them. Where they, that's the ones that happen to be caught on camera, by the way. All right where the boat just went out of control. So it's it's a law that you wear, and it's not a law because they're trying to catch you to make money. The reason they have laws is because they know better, because they're involved with all the accidents that happen, and the company put extra dollars into this machine, right, and devised this system that makes it safer for everybody, to, and you should use it. Definitely should use that line record on a boat, as well as a personal watercraft, for sure. Let's talk a little bit about safety operations and what people need to be thinking about in terms of navigating the bay in the ocean this summer. Well, again, uh, ch- checking a chart's a good idea ahead of time, like I mentioned earlier, just so you know, you know, you, can I cut across this way? You know, which way do I go? you know, where it's deep enough. Uh, the safest time to go out, I think, is low tide because you see all the trouble. And the other benefit to that is if you do get stuck, right, the water's coming in, right? If you go out where the water's tide's going out and it's eight o'clock at night and you get stuck, well, it's getting worse and worse and you're going to really be in trouble. You know what I mean? So timing it with the tide is a good thing too. But the way that the roads are set up, if you want to call it that, the channels, mm-hmm. is there's, there's two systems. So right in Ocean City there, you have a combination of both, right? There, there's a there's a, uh, a phrase, red, right, returning. And that applies to the, the red markers are kept on your right side in some cases, right? And when that applies, and there's two mark, color markers. Let me start with that. There's green and red. Red is always a triangle and an even number. And green is always square and an odd number, right? And the time you would keep the red markers on your right side is if you're coming in an inlet, 
you're going up a river or you're heading into a harbor. So in the Ocean City area, if you're heading up the Egg Harbor River, the whole way from uh, Summers Point under the Parkway Bridge there, you have the, the, the uh, Tuckahoe River to the left, you have the uh, uh, Middle River straight ahead, the uh, Egg Harbor River goes to the right, and you have Pat Con Creek that goes way to the right, right? So if you went up the Egg Harbor River all the way to Nays Landing, I think it's 14 miles, as you go up that river the whole time, red on your right when you're returning from sea is what that means. Mm-hmm. So you're heading up. That's when it applies up a river in from the ocean or into a harbor. So if you're coming down the river, the red is LL, red left leaving. So you're heading down from May's Landing down to Ocean City. That's a beautiful ride, by the way. Red left leaving. Now you'll have triangles. You'll also have like uh, just telephone poles, basically painted red or green. That's what they have in there. It's not clearly marked in a lot of cases. Okay. But that's how it is. But now this is very important. There's something called the intracoastal waterway, not intracoastal, mm-hmm. intracoastal. It's where the acronym is ICW. The ICW is a bunch of markers linked together and it's uh, and it runs in new jersey from manaswan river through the point pleasant canal through barnegat bay all the way to cape may it's 118 miles long there's about 500 numerically sequenced markers that make up the icw and the icw actually starts in jersey and if you take you can take an inland passage and never go in the ocean and where's your last stop mexico it goes all the way to brownsville texas Wow. How cool, how cool would it be to have some cash, you know, have a decent boat and have plenty of time and you say, hey, I'll be back in eh, maybe a year or two. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. Isn't that great? But, but we're part of that system here. We're the, ver- we're the very, very beginning of the ICW. Again, it's about 120 miles long and it basically parallels the Garden State Parkway. It's kind of like uh, the Garden State Parkway for boats. Oh, that's the interesting. You- yeah. So the way you can tell you're in the ICW is it has about a four-inch yellow triangle inside the marker or a yellow square inside the green square marker, right? A yellow triangle on the red, a a yellow square on the green. And they're the two-color markers, right? And the way the pattern is, it's not red, right, returning. It does not apply here. It's red, right, south. So if you're in um, Ocean City and you want to take a ride to uh, Cape May for lunch, by the way, that's a fun thing to do. That's what I do uh, with people. I just show them around and do orientations and we'll go down to Cape May and have lunch. There's about uh, eight restaurants that you pull up to by boat. And I'll tell you, you're having a good day when you pull up to a restaurant by boat. There's just something special. (laughs) I I bet. I bet. It always tastes better. It always tastes better. (laughs) Other people are buying, you know. That's right. But the way it works, the ICW is the reds on your right heading south. So if you're heading down to Cape May from Ocean City, you're heading southbound. It's not true south on the compass, but it's down New Jersey. It's red right towards Rehoboth, if you want to make up a phrase, right? Or another way to say the same thing, if you're in the ICW, if it has a yellow sticker on that green marker, the greens are over there by that green ocean. So green by the green sea. So that's how it is. Green okay. by the I, in, in the ICW, Oceanside, red, other side. Where it gets very confusing 
is you can be in the ICW and then get out of the ICW and you, you see another marker, but it's not ICW. Your ICW made a turn. It went the other way. You didn't know that, right? Oh, okay. Right. So you're going to find that right in, in Great Egg Inlet there by Ocean City. The ICW is not in the inlet. It goes behind under the other bridge here. I forget the name of it, but back that way. So it's a little confusing at times. So that's where a chart comes into play, you know, and you can uh, – you know, just see before you go. Let's see what we got. Hey, what, what channel marker do we turn to get to your house, right? Mm-hmm. Which channel marker do we turn to go up the river? Uh, do we have? Is it a big deal following this stretch? There are, you know, bad bays. Like in Ocean City, it's not too bad there, but there are a lot of sandbars. But the further you go south, like Ludland Bay in Ocean in Sea uh, Isle City, mm-hmm. if you look, if you look on a chart, it's about maybe three miles wide. There's only one little stretch you can run. That's it. There's, it's it's 30 feet. You have 30 feet of good water and instead of three miles. Okay? It's crazy. Wow. And same thing with behind uh, I mean Stone Harbor and Avalon. There's a, a little stretch called the football field, and there's no water there. I'm telling you, the ICW is so skinny, it's unbelievable. And Wildwood, the same thing. There's a couple – there's some spots where the channel markers at low tide are laying sideways in the mud. <laughs> right? Oh, my goodness. Last year, they changed the colors of two markers. They went from green to red because it was better on the other side. <laughs> they, didn't move, they, didn't move, they didn't move them. They just changed the color. Isn't that great? Oh I know. So what, what I would suggest, if you want to be an experienced boater down the Jersey Shore and you have uh, you know, the time and the opportunity to you know get out, is to cruise the ICW, do a little stretch. And by the way, you can do a whole New Jersey vacation by jet ski. How cool would that be? That is or maybe cool. or an overnighter. You can go up to AC, right? Get a you know get a room there. You have to get a transient slip. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll go over it later if you, I, we have time with my apps. And there's a, there's an app for that where you can make reservations at a slip. And you can bring a little suitcase or whatever. You know, if you have a boat, you can bring your golf clubs, and you can just do a little a boating vacation and just stay in Jersey. And you can fish along the whole way and try different spots. Where you can stop at restaurants and order the fish the whole way. You know, it's kind of cool. And there's again, that's really. A fun way to do a different kind of boating is to do a trip by boat. And there's really something special about that, too. I just love doing that. You know, it's just I just really, really enjoy it. So, again, that's something else. You know, but then you, but you need to learn the area. Jersey is one of the, the trickiest waterways we have on the whole East Coast. Right. The ICW, they call it the, the, the nickname is the ditch and the ditch in Jersey, the 118 mile stretch. There's a lot of issues, a lot of issues. But Why if you is know that? It, it's because it's so narrow, so narrow and shallow. Is it just the terrain of the pine barrens through there and the swamps? It's it's just over time. Mother Nature has filled in uh, and every uh, the mud's creeping in. You know, I, uh, you know, I am a. Uh, boat captain, and I'm on the water 175 days a year. In Jersey, maybe maybe 80, 90 days a year, right? Every year, I touch bottom. Every year. And I know where I'm going. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I get, I get stuck, stuck. But every I go start kicking up mud. I said, where did that come from? I wasn't there last year, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what's, ha- that's what's happening. So even though you've been somewhere, you know, a couple of years ago, it doesn't mean it's still good. So that's why a little reconnaissance mission and just looking around, go slow. If you don't know, you, you got to go slow. And people think, well, I got a jet ski. I could just, or a jet boat. I don't have an outdrive. I don't have to worry about that. I can go in shallow water. Well, I don't know. I think it's worse, right? Because if you're, if you start touching bottom, your whole boat's stuck. 
with an outboard, you can tilt it up and maybe put people in front of the boat. And I've done that many times. And then you can kind of sneak off, right? With a jet ski, if you start kicking up mud, it's too late. You know I mean, the whole boat's touching bottom, not just the uh, the outdrive, because there's nothing that sticks down. That's a good so, point. Yeah, so it's something to consider. And and if you're going really fast and you're running around, you're, you know, you can really get injured. So, yeah, again, knowledge is, is important with any kind of activity where there's potential danger, right? Uh, with boating, there's just a different, you know, bunch of rules or things you need to know. And it's it's unfortunately it comes the way you learn it is by screwing up. Right. Sure. And in Jersey, there's there's no the, the saying is the joke is you either run aground in New Jersey or you lie about running aground in New Jersey. Right? <laughs> Everybody look at just walk down a marina. Look at all the skegs, the bottom fin of the outboard motors. Every single one, there's no paint on it because they ran through the shallow water. Every mm-hmm. single one. Or, or, or it's brand new. That's it. That's it's the just it the way it goes in New Jersey? It's just the way it goes. But the good news is it's it's typically soft mud, right? So it's not it's not rocks. Like when you were up in New York or something, I do a lot of boating up on Long Island, and it's rock bottom. Well, I'll tell you, that's trouble. You can't. You don't have the option to run the ground there. Here, it's just going to happen. It's not a, not, not a major deal if you do it slow. Are you able to dislodge a vessel fairly uh, well, a lot you, a lot easier in in mud than say rock? Well, yeah, maybe, but it's less of an issue with you know um, doing damage to the hull itself. You know what I mean? Again, sure. that's why if if you're in unfamiliar water, I say you should always go at a lower tide with the tide coming in. So if you do have an issue, it's going the right direction. Yeah, and I like that because that, I wouldn't yeah. have considered that necessarily. I would have yep. thought I should go out at high tide. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, for sure. You definitely want to go at a lower tide coming in because I remember high tide. You're, you're, you're at, it's, it's going the other way. You know what I mean? Makes for a sure. lot of sense. Yeah, and then again, you know, one thing I didn't mention, which is I, I guess I people would assume is a good thing to do on their own, but you have to check the weather. Weather is probably the most important factor in you uh, enjoying uh, a trip. You know, a lot of people that are new to boating. They go out on a beautiful day like today, right? You know, it's just, just one of those like 85, no wind, uh, it, weekday and you're off. There's not, it's not real crowded and you went out and you had, you know, you went, had a great experience, went fishing, you got a bunch of fish, you went crabbing, you got a bunch of crabs, you went to a restaurant, you had real good food and you come back and you say, you know what? I think I got to get a boat, you know, how, how much fun was mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. Or you go out where, you know, the guy didn't check, didn't do maintenance and he can't start it or it got stuck and, you know, he didn't know where he's going, didn't understand the waterways and got stuck two or three times. And we go to a restaurant, they're closed on Mondays. I didn't check that, you know, and then, oh, now it's, there's a storm coming in, <laughs> it rained on yep. and you come back and you say, man, boating sucks. I'm never going to get a boat. That's horrible, right? Well, it was the experience that you like, not necessarily the boat itself. You know what I mean? There there you go. So, so a lot goes into nothing happening. You know what I mean? You got to put a lot of, uh, uh, you know, maintenance and research and preparation so that your experience is wonderful, right? And you want to do that every time. And when something goes wrong, something can go wrong really quickly. Well, it can, right? So, well, the, but every single boater will break down. There's just the way it is. I, I break down four times a year and sometimes in the slip. And that's a beautiful thing. But if you're out and about and you have trouble, you, you have to have a way to communicate. So I think probably the most important thing to have uh, is, you know, a way to call for help. And the proper way you do that on the water is a VHF radio. So on a personal watercraft, that's not required by law. It's actually not required by law on a boat, which is kind of nuts. But you should really have that. That's the way you get a hold of the authorities. 
there's a feature called MMSI, which, ma- which is Maritime Mobile Service Identity. So if you do buy a handheld VHF radio, uh, it'll have a GPS. You should get one that has a GPS built into it and get one that floats, by the way. That's best. Mm-hmm. And you, if you hold the button down uh, for five seconds, it sends a signal out that says Gretchen is in trouble at this latitude longitude position. Boom. They start a search and rescue. So what that does, it takes the search out of a search and rescue operation because they know where you are, right? And that's a free service. It's called MMSI. MMSI. Yeah, Maritime Mobile Service Identity. But you have to sign up for the number that you punch into the radio. And And you do that for free on the U.S. Power Squadron website. Or you, if you're not a Boat U.S. Foundation member, uh, you can sign up and you have to pay a little bit. Or I would just become a Boat U.S. member. And that's a great organization, a great website. And they have a great magazine that they send out to you every few months. But that's that would be uh, something that I think is critical. Matter of fact, when I do boat deliveries, I have two VHF radios with me just in case one battery might have not been, you know, uh, charged or just died on me early, you know, mm-hmm. just in case, just in case you just never know. But that feature with that button is great. So if you're by yourself and something happens, you pull the muscle or I don't know, you know, like you said, you never know what's going to happen, right? Is that that one so, piece of equipment you're not going without? That, never, never without a radio, ever, 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 ever. I have a bag, I have all my stuff in it, but that's something you have to be able to call. Now, people say, well, I have a cell phone. Well, cell phone, uh, you know, have you ever been in a dead spot in Jersey, like mm-hmm. down, you know, you know, and you're on land, right? How many cell towers have you seen out on the water? Well, there, there's not, right? Of course. So, so that's not the best way. Plus, the other benefit is on the radio, you would call for help if you have tr- verbally, you can indicate you're in distress, and you would do that on channel 16. That's the distress channel. And you would say, mayday, mayday, mayday. If your boat's sinking, somebody had a heart attack, the boat's on fire, where there's potential loss of vessel or life, right? Where it's serious. And that's how you would indicate the severity of the situation. So having that radio gives you the way to verbally communicate that you're in trouble, or you can electronically indicate you're in trouble by uh, holding that button in and having the MMSI signal broadcast, which is really, really nice. Yeah, so definitely, definitely. And for two hundred fifty bucks, you can get one. Uh, you know that has that capability. Yeah, that's that's like a no brainer. Yeah, well, boating's not cheap, by the way. What does B O A T stand for? What you, know? you tell me? What's it stand well, for? Break out another thousand. <laughs> <laughs> sounds yeah. about right. <laughs> that sounds about right. Hey, what are we saving our money for? We don't want the nicest coffin, right? We want you know some. <laughs> Some old coffin. But yeah. But the other thing is, hey, if you have a boat or a jet ski, you helped your family with all the pressure with coming up with gift ideas. That's you know what I mean? True. You, know, you, you need a lot of stuff. You know, you really do. So that's very true. In addition to the US Coast Guard master's captain's license you have in the in the boating safety classes, now you also teach um people to I want to get this right. Is it to man their own, to man their own vessels, captain yeah. services. So Let's talk a little you, bit about that. Sure. Well, you bought a boat, right? And you say, you know, I need, I need someone to show me some stuff, right? Or you go out for the first time and you have to dock it and you say, uh-oh, this is not like parking a car, right? And I get a lot of that. So I would be the guy that would come and get you familiar with the boat so you understand what all the buttons do as well as you know, giving some docking techniques. People have a lot of anxiety sometimes bringing that boat back in. Now, what size boat are we talking about? 
anything. I do, you know, 16 footers. I've done 13 foot boat and I do up this, I'm doing a 65 foot on Wednesday. Do you ever so get nervous? I, um, I get nervous when the boat itself doesn't, uh, it has a mechanical issue when I'm coming into a dock or something, but I always, I try to always have a, like I evaluate that where I'm coming in and look at the spots I get aboard. You know what I mean? So in other words, if I end up in trouble, I can just go over here and lay against these pilings. I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't think I get that nervous that much anymore. Uh, but it is, you know, it, I've had, had some jitters here and there for sure, depending on the boat itself. And so the good thing is about some of these bigger boats are actually easier to dock than small boats because they have all kinds of thrusters and, you know, uh, joysticks and all that kind of stuff in today's world. So sometimes it's easier. The hardest boat I I drive is a 17 whaler trying to dock that in the wind. You can't, it's like a styrofoam cup getting blown across the boat. <laughs> you, you can't, you can't stop it, you know, but there's some techniques, but that's what I do. I'll show people some, you know, ways like you always dock into the current. You want to use the pilings. You want to use lines if you need to, you have to be prepared before you get there. Uh, you, you have to set up the dock. So it's easy when you come in. You don't have to drive the boat all the way in the dock. Stop short of it and just walk it in. That saves a lot. takes a lot of pressure off. You can walk it out rather than drive it out, right? Uh, there's all those uh, little tricks. But I do new boat owner orientations all summer long, and I really, I really enjoy that. And I th- truly think, feel that's a value. It's again, it's like your your uncle dies and leaves you a helicopter. You might, you might want to take some lessons on how to fly. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so I do that. It's a lot of. I really, really enjoy that. You are familiar with uh, coastal waterways from New Jersey to the Chesapeake Bay to the Florida Keys. Now, how how is it that you've come to to boat these waterways? How is that your mainstay? Well, I grew up in Jersey. I grew up in Pensalkin, which was a great town. I, I went to St. Cecilia's Grammar School and Canada Catholic High School. And we had hung out with a bunch of guys. I still, I'd make some phone calls. We have 20 guys that go meet and play golf, you know. So we still have a, you know, we, it was a great town to grow up and we still have a lot of fun hanging out with a lot of guys. So we did a lot of boating in Jersey growing up. You know, uh, my parents couldn't hear. My parents were deaf. So that was an interesting way to grow up. Uh, but my parents were extremely adventurous and they, you know, got me into everything. There was never anything I couldn't do because they couldn't hear and I could. So, you know, you know, what's your problem? <laughs> mm-hmm. You can do anything. You know what I mean? That was their attitude, right? Which was wonderful. That was a great, I, you know, looking back on it, I think it was an advantage. I really do. So my dad was always big into boating. We used to go to Barnegat Bay all the time and he taught me, you know, how to do all kinds of stuff with boating. He was really smart. And that's kind of how I grew up. And a lot of my friends did that too. And uh, then I evolved into doing uh, yacht charters on the Chesapeake. So if you're going to say buy a big boat, and you want to live on that, which is kind of a neat thing to do. Maybe, maybe you can't afford a shore house like I can't, right. But maybe I can afford a boat, right. A big boat. And I can stick it in the slip somewhere. And then that would be my shore house waterfront, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then I can have a couple of kayaks or, and uh, you know, a couple of bicycles or whatever. I could crabbing off the front of the boat. Maybe that'd be something I want to try. Well, I think you might want to give it a shot before you put out the money. And the, you can't do that around here because the waters don't support big boat navigation like the Chesapeake does. So I do uh, yacht charters down there for a couple of different companies. And that's, you know, what I do to kind of, you know, just vacation, people go on vacations where they get a feel for whether they ever want to buy a boat mm-hmm. that's not that size. And then as far as the keys, I don't really run from here to the keys, but I just live in the keys in the wintertime. Nice. And, and yeah, my joke is I tell people I live in the Keys, but I spent eight months in New Jersey, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's heaven on earth, by the way. You know, be careful. Don't go unless you 
have the option of staying because it is really nice. It's just unbelievable. You can see 70 feet to the bottom. Seventy. Oh, wow. Isn't it crazy? That's amazing. Do you fish yeah. down there? What do you like to uh, do down there? Yeah. Well, my favorite thing is to go bug hunting. Uh, and lobsters are called bugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we snorkel in shallow water. Oh, and wow. we, we tickle them out with a tickle stick. And when they come out, you you put a net on top of them and grab them. We got like 75 lobster this year, you know. Wow. And they're good. To do. Yeah. And we have stone crab traps out. We get our own stone crabs. And, and we got a couple of monsters this year. And that's fun. And we got some sailfish this year, wahoo and mahi and uh, a bunch of snappers. I had to get a book, you know, just to see, you know, whether the, the fish was edible or not, how good it is to eat. And I have a couple of good apps I can go over with you at some point. I go over my apps real quick. But, uh, you know, you had to figure out, you know, what the fish was. You know, we caught 15 different, my grandkids came down. Within, I'd say, 45 minutes, we had diff- 15 different varieties of fish in the boat. Oh, my Fif- gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. Not one of each part. Not one of each. And I was going nuts, by the way. You know, <laughs> and I was, I was, and I wasn't even fishing. You know, that's amazing. But, yeah. So if you ever get a chance, it's not that expensive, by the way. You got to, you got to give that a shot because it is really, really nice for sure. Absolutely. Talk to me about your apps. Oh, the apps. Okay, sure. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna hang up on you here. I gotta bring them up. Okay. So, so for boating apps. Again, uh, weather is huge, right? For being yeah. having an enjoyable uh, experience or being safe, right? So you have to check the weather. And I've talked to you know captains that uh, drive oil tankers around the world, and I play golf with the guy that did that. And I said, "Well, what, what can you tell me about boating with that kind of boat?" You know, he says, "Lou, you got to check the weather, right? You got to respect it." So, and I, I'll never forget that. So what, you know, I use weather, you know, everybody has a weather app. I use weather bug. Now I have a Doppler radar app. I use one called my radar so I can see if there's pop-up systems in the area, which means, yeah, you know what, you got to watch out for that. Or if it's a line of weather coming, I can see, and maybe time uh, and, you know, an activity I might have or know that I can't go and I got to cut it short. Mm-hmm. So having Doppler radar or something, I think you have to have, and I check that all the time when I'm out there. I have an app just called Lightning, which is really what's really good about that is if you see rain coming, is it full of lightning or not? Now, what's different about that app is that is a a, a history of weather, not a prediction of weather. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Which has happened already, so you can see whether a storm has lightning in it or not. And it, uh, you know, I'm not afraid of a lot of stuff, but boy, I'm definitely afraid of lightning. Sure. Uh, because I, if you go on YouTube, look at boat gets struck by lightning and look at a couple of those examples and you'll see why. Uh, I have another one that's really, really good. It's called Wind Finder. Wind? What that does, wind, W-I-N-D, right? Wind Finder. Okay. It's a, it's a red app with a little propeller in it. And what that does, it gives you a prediction of how the wind's going to be and how it's predicted to change through the day. So sometimes it'll say, you know, four knots, eight knots, six knots, and then it'll go to 25 knots, right, at 12 o'clock. So you know you have to get off the water way before that because they may not get it right. And at a knot, a knot is one nautical mile uh, an hour. So a nautical mile is 6,076 feet, and a statute mile is 5,280, right? So uh, so a mile per hour is a regular mile, right, a statute mile per hour, and a knot is one nautical mile an hour. It's roughly 15% difference. So the, the simple way to think of it is, if an airplane's flying at 100 knots, it's really at about 100, roughly 115 miles an hour. 
So if you're saying it's blowing at 20 knots, it's really 20, 23 miles per hour. So it's understating a number you might think, you know, you might okay. think it is, right? So anyway, wind find, you can set it for miles per hour or knots. And it gives you like a maybe a seven day. And it's, you know, long range in any weather thing is wrong, right? It's never right long range or it's maybe kind of close. But don't, you know, take it with a grain of salt until it's the day before, I would say. And even that can be wrong. But it gives you an indication. If it's saying it's going to blow three miles an hour, it's not going to be 20, right? If it's saying 20, it's not going to be three. You know, it's never exactly right. I should say never. It's rarely exactly right, uh, but it's it's pretty close. So that's a good one. I have a couple of navigation apps. So if you have a, a personal watercraft like you have, right, mm-hmm. well, there, there's you can get handheld navigation uh, to see where you are. Now, you can get free apps on your phone that act as, you know, that act as a chart plotter. And one is called Marine Ways, W-A-Y-S, or you can get one called Navionics. You can't get the Marine Ways on iPhone for some reason. I don't know why, but you can get it on Android. And they both, you know, turn your phone into a, a chart plotter, which means it shows you on the map, right, and how you're approaching a channel. And they're color-coded so you can see depth changes based on color. So if you see the like white in front of you, you know you have good water. If you see mm-hmm. it's going to turn into different colors, you know it's going to be uh, it's going to be shallow. And then all the numbers on the chart is how deep it is at average low tide. It's called mean low water. Mm-hmm. When you look at a chart and it says 6, 4, 9, 12, that's how deep it is in feet at low tide, right? And it's about right. Not always perfect, but it's close. And again, Navionics is another one for navigation, N-A-V-I-O-N-I-C-S, Navionics. Okay. Yeah, there you go. And nice. both of those, and you can pay a little extra, you know, I'm, I'm cheap, you know, I grew up in Pensalkin, right? So, you know, <laughs> why would you get a, why would you get a, a large drink when it's free refills? I would right? never do that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But, but if you do pay on these apps, uh, you do get really a lot of nice features. And one, the one I was talking about earlier for uh, making arrangements to stay at a transient slip, and that's what it's mm-hmm. called when you stay like at a motel overnight, right? A slip for your boat is called Dockwa, D-O-C-K-W-A, Dockwa. Okay. And that would be one where you can see if they have openings for you, put in how big your boat is, they'll tell you how much it is, and you can, you can reserve a slip. And, it's awesome. You know, once you start doing that, I'm telling you, once you start like doing a trip and you don't need a big boat, you can do it with a 16 footer. You can do it with a couple of jet skis and just stay in Jersey and protect the orders, check the weather. Right. And you can go from town to town to town by boat and, you know, hang out at the dock. People that are hanging at the dock are having a lot of fun. You know, right? mm-hmm. It's just a wonderful community of people. But th- that's how you would do that if you're going to make reservations. Dock. Wow. You know, I have Google Earth just for looking at stuff. If I've never been somewhere before. I like to get an actual image of it from satellite. I have a fun one I use for just, you know, just seeing stuff. It's called marine traffic. And you can actually look at different boats that are out there. Say if you're out in the ocean, I do a lot of ocean fishing. I can uh, see what the name of the boat is that's out in front of me, you know, and I can call them on a radio if I had to for some reason. It's just called marine traffic. Uh, There's a system out there called AIS, Automatic Identification System, where they're broadcasting the information over the VHF radio, what kind of boat they're in, uh, mm-hmm. like a tugboat or oil tanker or whatever it might be, and the name of the boat. So if you had to call them. So that's what I can look at. I can look that up on Marine Traffic app. I have the U.S. Coast Guard app, which is really good if you're just playing on your phone. You can go on the U.S. Coast Guard app, and there's nine different things you can do on that. And one is you can check buoy heights. 
uh, excuse me, wave heights from buoys, report from the buoy and what the water temperature is, things like that, as well as looking up the actual rules of the road. Like if you uh, just want to know what the actual official rule is for passing someone head on, like we mentioned before, yeah, it gives you the, the actual, you know, rule so you know, you know, how it, how it is. Nice. And then I have one one that's kind of fun, that's kind of neat for, so you're going to try to meet your friends on the beach. And they say, you know, you say, where are you? And they don't have an umbrella for, you know, like the color identifying, you know, uh, spot, right? There's an app called What Three Words. And what that does is it changes your latitude, longitude position into three words, right? So if I tap on this where I'm sitting right now, right, uh, it comes in to, I'm in fruit volunteered lower. <laughs> Excuse me. It's kind of weird. So if you're on the beach, you can, your friends can text you where they are with three words. You can type it in, and it tells you how to walk and get there. You know what I mean? So if you're at a concert or something, this really wouldn't for, be for boat navigation. But uh, and it's what word. three words? What what is a word? The three is a numeral, and words is a word. That's right? pretty awesome. Yeah. What the numeral three words? I like and that. Then I have yeah, it's pretty cool. Then I have one for tides, and there's all kinds of tide apps. Just get whatever one you you, you play with or that has the highest rating. Mm-hmm. And, and the one I use is at ST2, so order tides two. And with that, I can see you know what the tide's going to be uh, you know three months from now if I uh, plan a job or something you know, and I can see push in an area and it gives me the tides and that's prediction. So it's um, you know not always exactly right, but it's pretty almost 99 percent right but what's good about interesting about that is you see how high and how low the tide is in new jersey we have a swing from eight inches to eight feet depending on where you are from high to low in in where town Barnegat bay you only have about eight inches of tide between high and low oh, wow. on the delaware on the delaware river in trenton you have about eight feet of tide depending on the moon phase it could even be more isn't that crazy yeah that is crazy so with the tide app, not only you can see that when it's going to be, you see how high it's going to be. But again, if you're going to do a trip and we you have all day to go out, go out when it's just about low tide or just coming in a little bit. And that's a safer time to kind of see stuff. And, and if you do have an issue, like we said before, you can get off. That makes so much have a, sense. Yeah. I have a compass app just for, you know, for it just says compass so we know which direction things are. And I have two fishing. These are my last two apps, by the way. I have two for fishing. One's called Fish Brain, and that's for freshwater fishing. And there are people on there just bragging about what they did, what they caught, and where they <laughs> went, and what they, what they used for bait. And fishermen are all braggers, you know. If there's a way for me to send you a fish picture, I would, on this podcast here. Uh, so we're all braggers for sure. But there's an app that allows you to do that, and it's kind of good for people share that. And then I have another one for, for saltwater fishing. So if you're down the Jersey Shore in Ocean City or places like that, and you want to go flounder fishing, uh, you need to know what the rules are. And sometimes they change. Or if you're going to go catch a sea bass, which is one mm-hmm. of the best eating fish in the ocean, sometimes they shut that down. So you need to know uh, what the regulations are. And not only does it tell you what's in season, and that's called fish rules, if I didn't say that already. Mm-hmm. Fish rules, R-U-L-E-S, two words. And it knows where the phone is, right? And it knows what's in season. It tells you how to measure it, whether it's total length or fork length. Total length is from the tip of the lip to the tip of the tail after squeezing it a bit, by the way. Mm-hmm. 
or, or fork length is inside the middle of the tail, the shorter part of the tail. So you need to know that if you're measuring the fish, you didn't measure it wrong. Oh, and it okay. also tells you under additional information whether or not it's good to eat uh, the edibility. It'll say excellent or, you know, fair or all the way down to, you know, poor. And if it's poor, it's cat food. Don't even tempt it, right? <laughs> for sure. Uh, but that's a real good app. And sometimes there's even a recipe for cooking the fish. Isn't that cool? Oh, wow. That is pretty cool. Yeah. So that's fish rules. And I use that all the time, especially uh, in places I've never been before. Like, you know, first few times I went to Florida. It was great. Nice. How can people find you? Okay. Well, it's Safety First Boating School. So safetyfirstboating.com is our website. Safety, the word first, F-R-S-T, not the letter, not the number, excuse me, safetyfirstboating.com. You can call me if you ever have a question, 609-217-7608. We do uh, about 40 classes a year all through South Jersey from Mount Laurel to uh, Avalon, uh, Vineland, Washington Township, you know, uh, Salem, places like that. We do a lot of private classes. I've done a lot of private classes for people that prefer to do a uh, class uh, in their house with a bunch of friends. I'm doing one this Saturday. So that's it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, I guess that's probably it. You know, that would be the way. To, again, you can always call me. You know, I always answer my phone. Well, I certainly appreciate you being on the podcast. So okay. thank I you. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Lou Donovan, for joining us on the podcast today. Okay, it's been my pleasure, and I hope to see you out on the water.